Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 79. I'm Rocco, and with me today is Ryan, who has a new favorite food. I do. Raspberry Pi is my new favorite food. But specifically the Raspberry Pi desktop, because my five-year-old son, if you guys know, I'm starting him out, training him right. He is on Linux. He uses Linux to play his Minecraft games and other educational stuff in there. Minecraft super educational, right? And uh, one of our users, you know, they sent in and said we could use the Raspberry Pi desktop, official desktop version on a regular computer, not on a Raspberry Pi. And it's super lightweight. And the computer he has is older in case he drops it or whatever, won't be a big deal. And it runs beautiful. It is so snappy and fast, even compared to what it had on before, which was pretty good, which was Linux Lite. Because of the small nature of Raspbian on a desktop, it's just awesome, man. He just absolutely loves it. And it's easier for him to navigate uh, younger with the simple icons and structure of it. So there you go. That's my new favorite food, Raspberry Pi. Nice. We also have the well-rested PZ. Yes, indeed. And you'll be happy to know that I did my most extreme hop before the show, and I'm now on Arco. You just embraced it, sir. These minutes before, yeah. Zeb, you've given me more gray hair than I already have, dude. <laughs> and then there is a streamer extraordinaire, Michael. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I, it was actually only four and a half hours last yesterday, so it's reasonable, I think, sort of. Yeah, when you hit the record button. I said streamer extraordinaire, <laughs> not recorder extraordinaire. So. Perfectly fine. Acceptable. All right, so we've been getting a lot of good feedback lately for uh, the show and a couple of the episodes specifically, Ryan Sipes' episode. There's a lot of questions coming in, a lot of feedback for Thunderbird specifically. So we would definitely like to have uh, Ryan back on the show to talk more about Thunderbird in the future. But, Ryan, we got some YouTube comments as well. Man, they were really good comments, and I love that people have enjoyed this episode so much, but I just want to go through a couple of them because I thought they were either funny uh, and or, you know, just showing the love out there for that episode. So if you haven't checked it out, Ryan Sipes from Thunderbird episode, uh, you might want to check it out because we've just got a lot of good feedback. But Carl Schneider, one of our favorite people, said, I haven't used Thunderbird in years. Ryan's Jedi mind trick must have worked because I'm downloading it right now. So... We've got two Jedi's, Zeb and Ryan Sipes, apparently. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Zeb. There you go. And Michael, we had another one on there. What do you think? So, yeah, Johan said about the, the uh, he's one of the 26 million users and that the Sturdybird 60 Beta 9 with the square tabs and lightning agenda is, 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 is one of the things he likes about it. And also he's like, I think like probably my favorite thing is he's, a, he's in agreement that we need to get the mobile Thunderbird going. Yes. And, like that is one of my, like what is one of my top li- lists of wants from Thunderbird. Yep. But we also had a Mastodon. We have a Mastodon account and there's quite a few people that interact. And I just wanted to bring up Mr. Matt uh, because he said specifically on this episode, I basically dropped everything I was go- doing and downloaded today's episode as a longtime Thunderbird user. I've got to hear this. And that's like an awesome comment. That's yeah, something that, that makes, makes us it feel awesome when we see stuff like that. And we love that feedback. So keep it coming in. Comments at destinationlinks.org 
you want to send us an email or we definitely always read and try to respond to everybody on all the platforms we're on. So there you go. Yep. All right. On to the news. So, hey, Ubuntu is in the news. Can you believe it? No, never. What? What's, what's Ubuntu? Ubuntu, you know, that company, Canonical, that kind of thing. So lost. they released an infographic and it's about the applications of the application of Ubuntu across the world in all kinds of different technology. And it is absolutely mind blowing to see everywhere that Ubuntu is. So some of the little things that you're going to see in this uh, infographic that Ubuntu powers AI and deep learning technologies like Google TensorFlow, Amazon Deep Lens for the smart camera, NVIDIA, uh, Novi Labs, and all kinds of other stuff. Ryan, what else are they into? Well, one of the things that, I mean, look, they, they talk about some of the statistics of usage, like 300 million times that Ubuntu was launched just in 2017 across the cloud. You know, the fact that Ubuntu is used by Netflix, Spotify, eBay, Slack, and the companies go on. It's just some really interesting information because I know every once in a while, like if we get you know, somebody trolling or whatnot, you generally get somebody saying like, oh yeah, Linux is real big on the desktop because they only think about their computer that they built sitting on their desktop. They don't realize that all the infrastructure behind the scenes and all the networks across the world generally are utilizing Linux in some form or variant. And this, what I love about this infographic is that it kind of points out all of these massive companies that you know off the top, as soon as you hear them, you know, Google's TensorFlow, Amazon Deep Lens, NVIDIA, Nova Labs, all of these companies utilizing Linux and Ubuntu and, you know, even the blockchain, Ethereum and Bitcoin all being starting with Ubuntu. And it's just absolutely amazing to me to kind of take a moment, sit back and think about where Linux is and how many times you interact with it without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, someone in the chat has just said that they want the IoT market so bad. Well, they're not doing too bad because this um, information sheet talks about 40% of Linux users run Ubuntu Core on their IoT solution. So how much more do they want? Do they want it all? I mean, that's I think, I think it's, that's kind of implying that they're the majority because 40% is like just this one distro is 40% and the rest of it is spread across all the other options. So that like, even though that number seems like it's not, you know, it might not be the, the majority, it probably does imply that it is. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I liked as well is that it, it's running on the European Space, space Station mm -hmm. or the Space Agency's 5G satellite networks. I mean, yeah. awesome, truly awesome. Yep. It doesn't mention uh, specifically the desktop because that's not what the this infographic is for. But like I said, the the whole spectrum of everything that they're in uh, 480 million Docker installs. I mean, unbelievable. So the next time somebody says to you, you know, oh, Linux, you know, what is that? You can explain to them that pretty much everything, well, not everything, mm -hmm. pretty, a lot of stuff runs on Linux. That's a niche product. I want to say everything. Can I say everything? Everything is connected via Linux. <laughs> there you go. I'm happy with that. So also what I'm happy with is updates to anything KDE related. And that's Ubuntu 18.04 gets new update for the Plasma 5.12.6 uh, in the, I'm not sure if that's in the back courts. I'm pretty sure that's just in the regular updates. 
but this this is the just basically an improvement to the LTS version of Plasma. So if you are wanting to use a an LTS like a, a LTS everywhere, Kubuntu eighteen oh four is a great option for that. Yep, I believe it is in the backports, but don't quote me on that. Um, but we're waiting for five five thirteen to get into backports, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, unfortunately, there's some issues with the 1810 uh, code, uh, Qt that needs to be backported first. Once that's backported, then the 5.13 will be backported as well. So I'm not really sure. I don't have any inf- any ETAs when that's going to happen, but it is definitely on. The, uh, they're working on making that happen. Definitely should happen by 1810, yes. right? Yes, for sure, for sure. But certainly hope so. Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised if it didn't happen by that at that point. Uh, but I, I don't think that necessarily the 513 is a requirement, uh, especially for someone who wants an LTS thing anyway. Nice. Well, there's a nice little bit of news coming up as well, again, about um, Ubuntu. And I noticed there's a couple of guys in our Telegram group who like to play around with servers. So this might be of interest to them because there's a new minimal Ubuntu that has been mm-hmm. released. Now, that's not the desktop Ubuntu. It's their... Um, it's the smallest Ubuntu base imaged and designed for cloud operators. And apparently it's half the size of the existing one. But I don't know what the existing one is, but this is 157 megabytes. So that's, that's, that's pretty small. So where would people use this, Michael? Uh, this is for people who are doing mass deployments and stuff on the server or the cloud space. So when they say that it's 50% the size, the size of the standard Ubuntu, they're referring to the Ubuntu server. And that which is used for cloud operations and stuff like that already. But this way they have this minimal ISO is like having the fastest booting you could possibly have. Well, probably they're probably going to get faster, actually, but significant faster compared to the the regular server, which is like 40 percent faster boot. And that but still having all the benefits of having a full stack of Ubuntu. So there's there's other distros you could have for the cloud deployment and stuff like that where Clear Linux offers. But they have they don't have as a full stack that's available that Ubuntu has. Now that doesn't count the stack of like the DE or anything, but just like the server stack and all that, all the benefits of like basically if you have if you use the terminal for Ubuntu, you have the same thing regardless of where you have the cloud image or you have the minimal image or you have the server image or the desktop image or whatever. You have all that fundamental pieces, and that's why that this is more for like a cloud deployment of like a hundred or to a thousand servers within like 10 seconds or so and then it you like for mainly it's for like um you know single use cases where they need just to, to test something really quickly they, they boot the server boot a, like a like hundred of servers or something use it for a few minutes and then put it back down so the the boot times are actually important in this particular case typically for the desktop i don't think they matter because you know by eight seconds to 10 seconds who cares but if you're doing eight seconds to 10 seconds on a hundred machines that might matter yeah, mm-hmm. I just wish they'd use a different word because it gets a bit confusing. <laughs> you've got the Ubuntu Minimal that's just been released. You've got a right. Ubuntu Mini, which I believe right. is a small version of the desktop. But then within the ordinary desktop, you can do a minimal install. Right. So, there's there's the Mini ISO, and then there's also the Ubuntu Core, which is sort of re- re- related to that as well. I think um, they need to start naming these. Yeah, they should go with something that doesn't use the word minimal. That's a good option. <laughs> just, just um, maybe a different word for minimal. Yeah, they used to have another one called the J- the J E O S or Geos. I don't know what they if they actually pronounced it or anything, but it meant just enough OS, and that was kind of the base level 
uh, distro or ISO. I don't know if they still use that or not, but I mean, that was that like Ubuntu JEOS would be, you know, at least you could, you know, separate it and say, this is for this purpose versus this is the minimal. And then this is the minimal, but don't forget this other minimal, you know, remember that one. Ubuntu smaller. That's what I'm. Yeah. That's good with me. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So last night on Biddle, we had a, you know, we were in the middle of a conversation and one of the guys on Biddle chicken, he said, Oh, by the way, somebody just released a new ISO, a new release. And it was Arco Linux. So that is actually the challenge on Biddle this week to install Arco Linux and try it out. And we'll meet back up next week and talk about it. But this released last night. But Zeb, you did an extreme distro hop to it. So what do you think? Um, It's superb. Uh, Before I did the extreme distro hop, though, I took the old 6.8 and followed... Um, Eric Dubois' superb YouTube video. It goes on for about 40 minutes, but there are so many changes between 6.8 and 6.9 that you're probably better off doing that 6.9 install. Now, what was pleasing for me is from start to finish, um, I got it all installed in just 35 minutes. That's how slick and problem-free it is. And it comes all with the usual sort of Eric Goodness, he's got all of his icons in there. He's got these little scripts that help you change uh, when you're making files from the AUR so that you use all of your um, cores on your processor. Everything, he, he takes Arch and just makes it so easy to use. And I know we've, got, we've had some disagreements with, is this a good method of teaching someone or is it, it not? But for me, it just works well because... I don't like having to read manuals and, and, and follow instructions. So to you be able to install them. this and have absolutely anything or everything is, is just wonderful. And, it, and it's working. And here we are just over an hour later and we're up and running. You know, I tell people all the time, if you want to try i3, if you want to play with those, you know, window managers, you can go no further, search no further than what Eric's putting out there. His customization with i3, BSPWM, those window managers is second to none. You can literally, unlike if you go and install i3 right now on you know your standard distro and then log into it and you're just going to have that kind of base that you then have to go in your configuration files and customize and all that. He's done all of that work for you and created a workflow that you can literally use immediately and then learn as you want to adjust little things like a key binding here or there or whatnot as you're going for i3. I could have never stuck with it, I don't think, if it wasn't for his guidance and the pre-setups that he does because they're second to none. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's got 12, there's 12 desktop environment options there for Arco Linux B that you can choose from. And it includes everything from your Windows managers to Cinnamon, Budgie, Plasma, XFCE. But when we had him on the show, we also learned that he used to be a professor. And so you can see he lays out his website in a way that is, as you're learning Linux, you can go through this and get more and more advanced from, you know, him doing all the setup for you to the next step of you going in and just being able to choose your own desktop and doing your own customizations to kind of building your own Arco. And that's what's really brilliant about he's almost set it up as a lesson plan. You get the awesomeness of Arco and you get to learn while you're doing it, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, 
There was only one small caveat to all of that, and that's that he's introduced a couple of right clicks on Thunar. And it's my old nemesis, take ownership for root. So once again, you can open up a terminal, do an upgrade, go to your file manager, accidentally click on your home folder, and it suddenly becomes owned by root. Um, but thanks to our friend Run With A Dolphin over at MX, I was able to apply his uh, little change, which means that every time you run it, you have to put the root password in, which for me makes it that little bit safer. And you know what I'm like, I can't resist it. So I put a, a comment on his YouTube video and he just came back and said, thanks. I'll consider that for the next release. So it's, <laughs> it's safety for the, for the users that we're concerned about here. But yeah. no, beautiful, beautiful release. Very cool. And, and there's Arco is very interesting. And I'm, I totally, I don't have the courage to do extreme distro hopping like Zeb. So <laughs> well, I decided I'm going to be doing it after the stream. And uh, I'll be, I'll be, okay. I might have a, a comment next week about it. So what you're saying is you're not going to be playing Ballistic Overkill? No, I'll be playing it oh, on okay. Arco. Oh, okay. <laughs> but your run's good. Oh, that is an extreme hop, really. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so uh, speaking of the arch, you know, arch based stuff, we have a, some some little bit of a negative issue that happened with the AUR. Uh, recently, they discovered some malware in the AUR, the Arch User Repository, and this was a particular case of a, a an orphaned package that was not being maintained by anyone, and someone took it over and decided to add extra scripts in top of it that would you know basically add malware. So. In this particular case, it didn't really do that much, apparently, but what it was doing is that it was, it was running a script that would then download another script from, the, from a random server, and then it would take your information, like your, your kernel information, your hardware information, and then send it to a paste bin. And the weird thing is, is that they, they, for some reason, put like a private API key attached to the thing that they did. Which kind of implied that they didn't, they weren't really that experienced, and they essentially told them who they were. Yeah, that's not too clever in that regard. No, it also ran the uname minus r command, I believe, which just basically grabs, you know, very minimal kernel information out there. And you know, they, the thing is, they've been warning in the Arch world that AUR has been dangerous forever. Now, when I first jumped into Arch, I was still pretty new to Linux, and I was like. Well, the AUR is where you can get all the software that I want to use and play with. So I would just download it and, and use it and really not think too much about it. Um, but they have always mentioned that it can be dangerous because it's a community repository. This isn't the official one. This is where anybody can go in and create stuff. And essentially, you can run into issues like that. That's why you need to verify these packages when you download it. How many people do you think actually do the validation of the packages, though? Not if many. they don't. The people who use the who install Arch directly, I would say a significant portion of those people who use Manjaro and Tericos or you know, anything else that's based on Arch, uh, probably not at all. Yeah. Well, this yeah. wasn't just one program, right? It was three different programs. Three different this. programs from the same person. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They did. They just took over these orphan packages and added the extra code to it. And what's interesting is one of the developers for Arch, or they one of the trusted users anyway, uh, said that. He was surprised that this kind of stuff doesn't happen a lot more often, considering the the yellow AURs, you know, 
So is, everyone is like a minefield sort of. The, the three packages are Acro Read, which was a PDF views uh, viewer, BLLZ, and then Minor Gate. So those were the three packages. If you have those, you may want to remove them. Yeah, yeah the only thing that, that concerned me about this whole episode was not so much that it had been found, because, yeah, it was bound to happen sooner or later. And I know Arch say that this is not anything to do with them because it's the Arch user repository. But for, for the main people in Arch to go, and we care why, they just seemed a bit too blasé about it. Whether or not it is managed by them, it's people consider it part of Arch. So I think a, a slightly more positive response would have gone, would have, would have tasted better in for my palate anyway. I don't think the, the Arch cares about what people consider you know, as far as the user experience in terms of like how people use the AOR, because they specifically say, don't use the AOR. They also specifically say, don't use any AOR helpers at all. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you're using like Yowart or Pack AOR or any of the other ones, they, they, they suggest not to do that because that means that you're more than likely ignoring that the things they suggest you to do, which is learn what a package build is, how they work, how to build them, how to compile them, how to, uh, how to like check to see what's in those. So if you're using an AUR helper, it's kind of like a way to bypass all of those things. So I think that they're looking at the AUR as here's a repository that you can use if you want to, but it's you're completely your risk if you do so. Hmm. Um, so as far as like the, 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 the arch project is, is approaching the user experience in a very different thing because they have like this level of expectation of people who are using them using the Arch project should only be at a certain level of experience who already, who have the ability to manage and maintain and look at all these package builds. So that's like when you, it's the issue of people of projects creating, you know, that's trying to make it easy to use Arch. You're, you're sitting at a level where the, the base project doesn't care if those people are able to use it or not. Well, so that's like the one draw to Arch, is it not? Is the, there you are. It's promoted as one of those straws, yeah. But the 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 Arch project themselves don't necessarily promote the RUR as being that. The, yeah, the some, all the other projects do that. Someone in chat mentioned, you know, isn't this the same issue you would run into with PPAs in Ubuntu? Yes, and it is. So I it's mean, not exactly because the PP like with the Arch, you don't know who necessarily who is running the AUR like packages. Mm -hmm. You don't know if those are official people or not. Whereas the PPAs, there are quite a few that are ran by the official project so you know that they're good to go regardless of being a PPA or not. But there are so it's like a that are not either. Yes. Oh, of course. I'm saying like there's a potential. I'm not saying there's... It's there's kind of the same risk. They're, they're I'm similar. Sure there's official packages hmm. out there that somebody who's a developer for Arch could go and create an AUR version of and they're more official because it's them, but you still yeah. have the same risk, right? Right. There's, there's, there's similar risk for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think we've covered that topic well, but since we're on the security thing, we've got to run into another one. This one was odd to me. I had to, to like talk this over with Michael and Zeb and them when I saw it, which is the security flaw they found for Ubuntu, specifically in 16.04. It could work in other versions. It wasn't tested there, but it was a way to bypass the login screen password. And to do it, you had to have physical access to the hardware. So nobody freak out or be, you know, if, if, as long as you don't have a, uh, 
your computer sitting out there for your neighbors to play with. You're probably not at heavy risk. But what was interesting to me, <laughs> Michael, uh, was that to, to utilize this bug, to bypass that login at your password screen, you have to basically remove the hard drive once you get to the login screen. So physically take out the hard drive that you booted from and then put it back in and then type in the password and apparently it would accept any password at that point and you could get, you could bypass it. Uh, obviously they're going to be doing a, you know, some mitigations to this, but one mitigation you could throw in right away would be a screensaver. So Michael, help me understand here, ripping out your pa your hard drive in the middle of uh, booting seems like a bad idea. Uh <laughs> There, there is some negatives to doing that, yes. Uh, but one of the things about Linux that's great is that once you have your system booted, even with a login screen, it already has a significant portion of it booted. It's just kind of like locked away. Um, it, uh, the system will still run. And this is true uh, in, in a variety of ways to even like ridiculous degrees in the sense of like if you have a system running like entirely, not, I've, never, I've never tested it with the lock screen activated, but if you have it run, set up and you run a command to like remove and delete the entire system, the system will still continue to run even after that command is finished until you're, until you reboot the system. I'm going to test this because I have an IC dock. I'm going to de-dock my hard drive right now and see how long this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's certain levels that like even you can even delete the kernel and it'll still run. Um, but once you reboot, it's, it's destroyed. It's destroyed. So there's like, that's why this, this is a possibility. And I guess in a way, that you can remove the hard drive and it still will run because of that benefit. Um, but, you know, on the bright side, it was, it's very difficult for someone to get access and remove your hard drive while you're there. So. <laughs> but who actually thought about trying this out? I don't know. About, well, let me see if I can boot That's the drive and then pull the hard drive out and see if I can get into the system. Like, who thinks about this stuff? But there's a, so there's a lot of stuff like that because it it's just something about it that's calling to me. I just want to just see how this works because it just it goes against everything uh, that you should be doing with your computer. Yeah, I have to test it now too. Yeah, the funny thing for me is here I am working on my system. You want to come and take out my hard disk? Go on then. Try it. <laughs> and then get the whole it's, it's just madness. Yeah, he'll just pull the, the bat out waiting for you. Try happen. it. Yeah, the only thing I can see where this could happen is. I'm sitting here at my workstation and someone's doing it on the server. That's a possibility. Well, yeah, in a server situation, obviously that would be an issue. Also, like uh, we gave the example of you have, you know, someone, a friend or whatever, wanting to get information, not a real friend, but somebody you would have in your home so someone uh, like wanted to get past your password and they could get information in your banking account, et cetera. And I think your response to that was great. Maybe they could put some money in it. So <laughs> So if EB wanted to get your secret, Zeb, for going as fast as you can with your yeah, American, yeah. you know, a European truck simulator, he might do this if he came over to your house, so I'd watch him. Yeah. <laughs> this is That's a perfect example, Rocco. EB trying to steal secrets off of Zeb's you know, hard drive. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that was in the press release of the announcement too. Yes. The lookout Zeb. <laughs> well, Bypassing a password, well, that's, you know, not maybe not going to happen. But bypassing other things might be a problem. So there's a article in the register, and I guess if you want to consider the register, um, about the new Intel Spectre advisory. So this thing is considered, or what they call it is, the bounds check bypass store attack. Couldn't they just name it, like, 
Something like Spectre, that's, dude. That's why they did. They call it Spectre. It's just a different <laughs> subset of Spectre. You know, Spectre is an all-encompassing thing. So, I mean, we, it's been out for months about Spectre and its problems, but this is just another iteration of it. Yeah, and there's actually been multiples of those. This is like probably the fifth one. But what I found interesting about this whole thing is the fact that they're actually trying to put a system together to or Intel is actually trying to move to a quarterly update schedule. And so the rather than do like uh, really surprise alerts uh, for a security advisory, they're, they're talking about adopting a routine similar to a big corporation that has another operating system <laughs> that Mac? patches, uh, pa patches that Tuesdays. Android? <laughs> oh. Now this is every couple months that they're going to do this. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's a interesting move on their part to to try to combat all of the issues because this is not going to be the only one. I mean, there's going to oh, be no. there's going to be more, but it's a good way to go about it. What do you guys think? I mean, it's it's any types of of uh, you know mitigation is a good thing. So there's there's other there's and there's all kinds of different mitigations. But the difference between like the Spectre issue is that all of the Spectre iterations have to be mitigated on the software level until the hardware has been completely replaced like there is no way to to solve these problems without replacing your hardware and also they need to have the manufacturing of that hardware to have that fixed but they currently do not um so there, there's even like intel or amd it doesn't really matter or some arm also are affected but you know this is just more of a eventually it'll be fixed but here's some more information to scare you because this is a big problem and it totally is a big problem and you should be scared because it's horrible, but and there's also mitigations done. So as long as you don't care about the performance hit, very good. I just want to be very clear with this. It doesn't matter what OS you're running on your machine. You yeah. Risk with these. So it doesn't matter if it's Linux, it's windows, it's whatever you're going to have these risks of specter and what it can do. I think that's important to note. Number one, number two is some of the mitigations you can do is running the current version of your browser. So there are mitigations within the browser that allow it mm -hmm. so that the JavaScript and other things can't be executed to be able to pull off some of these vector hacks basically remotely. So having the latest Firefox version 57 forward, if you're using Edge and Explorer, there's no hope for you anyway. So whatever. <laughs> and then, it's, good. Uh, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. And then the latest Chrome version for Rocco and Zeb, you're you're going to have some safety in there. And then, of course, making sure that you're flashing your motherboard's BIOS. In this article, it was strange, and we talked about this a little bit, talked about flashing your CPU, which, you know, I've been in the hardware side for a long while. There were a couple processors out there that you could flash, but for the most part, that comes through your motherboard's firmware updates, especially yeah. if you build your own PC, yep. or it's going to come from the manufacturer site. So if you got a Dell or whatever, there may be some patches there, but essentially you do want to check those. And I can tell you with this MSI board I had, they've been releasing frequent BIOS updates, which is quite unusual. Um, mm -hmm. You know, from a motherboard, usually you'd go a year or two and then you'd look and you'd finally you'd see one updated. But I think a lot of companies are responding to this stuff very quickly. Flashing your BIOS, by the way, during a storm, bad idea. Um, Ryan, <laughs> is a form of extreme distro hopping, extreme BIOS flashing. Is that a, a newer motherboard? It is a newer motherboard. It's the X470 Pro Carbon uh, Gaming Edition. It's a newer one for the Ryzen chipset. And lots of lots of BIOS updates lately. Well, I would be interested so, to see how often that a all of the motherboards are getting updated. Like 
at a certain point they're going to stop updating the older motherboards or yeah. at what point do they stop updating? So when a motherboard comes out, um, yours is newer. Is it a couple months where they slow down on this whole updating process or what? This is the first time this has ever happened. So we have no, there's nothing to reference it about what it's going to happen. Like it depends on the manufacturer, whether they are, are good manufacturers and actually do updates or they're terrible and don't care. So, so Ryan, this is a good excuse for your wife to upgrade again. Thank you, Rocco. You just helped. <laughs> I really do want the Threadripper, and now I kind of have to get it. You right? have and to. The new motherboard. So. No, but the Threadripper is still affected. So it's nice to see these motherboard you manifestations. Zeb, you're yeah, not, you're not, not helping out, Zeb. Good. But it rips threads, so it's not, a, it's not affected yeah. as much. So it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. It'll rip Spectre yeah. to pieces. But when, <laughs> when, when are Intel and AMD going to be bringing out? How, how quickly are they gearing up to bring Years. out processors? Years. Years still, yeah? Years. They like they they have new processor every 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 year basically, but as far as getting this particular fix solved, it's a, we're looking at it like a five year plan thing minimum probably because this this is not necessarily a you know something in the chip can be replaced. This is like a fundamental design structure flaw that they have to rebuild like the infrastructure of these CPUs. So it's going to be years before this is fully solved. By the way, there is no known attacks on this stuff. Yeah. Right. That's because they mitigate like they mitigated it so quickly. There's there wasn't enough time for someone to do this. So mm -hmm. the, the the JavaScript they there was some like uh, proof of concepts with JavaScript, but that's why you need to make sure you have an updated browser. So because even those those are just proof of concepts and they're very unlikely to even run. It's still possible. So you should definitely get those. Well, let's hope it's not going to be twenty five years away. Right. Yeah, it's not twenty five years. But what is twenty five years? <laughs> is Red Hat celebrates their 25th yeah. anniversary. And this is fantastic because, you know, Red Hat is one of those, uh, those darlings of the, of the community. And I think what's really cool about it is that they, they kind of like, as far as the tech world goes, if you exist for longer than a year, you've made an accomplishment. Yeah. If you existed for more than five years, you are like a, a, a jewel and like you're lucky as po like possibly can imagine. If you do for 25 years, you, you are like this weird unicorn that just doesn't make any sense to exist. So congratulations to Red Hat, to being the, the red unicorn. And, uh, the red unicorn? The red unicorn. No, so, they're the red fedora, man. Don't go calling unicorns You out can there. put a fedora on top unicorn. of the horn. Oh, my you can God. Put, you can, it's, but it's mythical is my point. Okay, how about a griffin? Those okay, cool. cool. That's cool. Griffins cool. are cool. Griffins yeah, are cool. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. The red griffin. I like that. But what I love about their celebration here is that they didn't necessarily just talk about Red Hat and all the contributions that Red Hat has made to Linux over those 25 years. What they did on this splash page, which will be in the show notes for you to check out, it's really beautiful. And it kind of goes through the last 25 years of technology. And for me, just sitting back in thinking about some of these 25 years and the things that have happened and how technology has just exponentially grown on top of each other, how things have changed where now we can't leave our house. Keys used to be the big thing. Now I think phone first, then keys, uh, how technology yeah. has just changed <laughs> our, our lives and how fast it's all moved from cloud computing, virtual machines, phones, dot com booms, all of this stuff happening and seeing it visually was just really impactful mm -hmm. and cool and something to kind of think about. 
Yeah, the the the, uh, the fact that they were like pointing out like we we survived the dot com boom. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That not many companies did. So yep. Well, happy anniversary to Red Hat, but there's not they're not the only ones that. No, there is another um, anniversary, and I must admit this one surprised me because on the 4th of July this year, Wine was 25 years old as well. So awesome. Um, so all of, you play, all of you people out there who've been um, playing Solitaire for 25 <laughs> years, that's thanks, that's thanks to Wine. Um, the only thing that depressed me about this was it highlighted how many years I still haven't won a Solitaire game yet, so we'll move <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we'll I'm move on for that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's 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 awesome to think that this has been going for twenty five years. Oh yeah, and they've they've made a lot of like for like the joke about having like within the first year they had solitaire, and now you can do like you like all these types of games like the Witcher three stuff you can play with 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 uh, wine, and you can run all these different types of uh, you know uh, productivity software like oh, like uh, with uh, crossover you can run the MS Office and stuff like that if you want to. Like there is just it's fantastic the the amount of effort and stuff that has been gone through wine and I was I was also surprised I knew it was been around for a long time I didn't realize it was twenty five years so mm-hmm. that that is it is amazing that they've you know a project at this and especially considering it's not a company it's just a project that wanted to you know create provide this solution for people like this this is fantastic well and I think everyone everyone here has had something to do with it because haven't you done some stuff with wine on your channel uh ryan yeah in fact two years ago when i launched my channel there were there was a section when i was doing the 30 days of linux you know and there was a point where people were coming in and going okay fine you've proven linux can run everything else but it can't game well and so i was like well let's see so i stuck an nvidia 1080 in which was brand new at the time i put doom uh, the latest Doom launch on there, which has like a ultra nightmare settings. And I ran it through wine at 180 frames per second and said, what can Linux not game now? And, uh, you know, it was just absolutely amazing to see wine and how far it had come. That was using Vulcan, by the way, because Vulcan just soars with Doom in there. So nice. that was a really unique uh, case usage I had on my channel for wine. Yeah. Well, other use cases are, you know, I was watching a YouTube video the other day and the guy was talking about running Photoshop on Wine. And mm-hmm. if these are programs, so I have said in the past uh, about Wine that I thought that it was becoming uh, less important nowadays because of the adoption of Linux, because of more programs, more vendors getting on board. But if you're running programs that you absolutely need, like Photoshop, Wine is extremely important for you to use Linux. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is definitely an eye-opener for how much work they put into it, how many years they've been around, and that that's definitely still relevant. Yep. Yeah, I think I think Wine is one of those those projects that you kind of take for granted in, in a way. And because it's it's been around for so long and it's been so useful that you kind of just like, yeah, of course Wine's there. Of course it is because it's, you know, it's so important. And I, you know, it's it's just, it's nice to talk about like, you know, we get, we need to give some more attention to projects like this because they do, uh, you know, they do so much great work that we need to. They kept Linux alive for a long time for people who wanted to be on Linux and didn't want to use Windows. I mean, it's been that it's been that cornerstone for us. And like Rocco said, even though things have changed slightly, it's still a cornerstone for a lot of people. So happy 25 years, wine. Here's to another 25 more. I can't wait to see the cool things you guys are going to do next. Yeah, and. Um, 
Moving to something that potentially could be not so cool is um, we got some information about a potential spyware with Deepin Linux through their using their app store with the service of Z C N Z Z, which is a analytical company similar to Google Analytics and stuff like that. So, um, what is <laughs> what is your opinion of this, Ryan? I mean, the, to me, I am so stuck in this rock in a hard place here with this news because I think the word spyware, frankly, is, um, and you mentioned this in the pre-show, I think it's a little bit exaggerated of a word yet, yet. we, we yeah. More needs to be known. My issue is, um, without having done a ton of research into this, that basically CNZ is collecting website-like data through their repositories. When I say website-like data, it's kind of, so far, looks like it would be capturing, you know, basic user machine information, resolutions, that type of stuff. My issue is that uh, all websites kind of do some of that to a degree, some detection and things. It's more that they don't, and they're responding to people after the fact. They have official responses out there about this instead of like, say, when... Um, Ubuntu was capturing some analytics and they were suggesting this to the community. They wanted some basic hardware information that you could opt out of uh, during the install. It was all very public. It was there before it happened. You knew about it. There was no secrecy. Here it seems like, because I haven't seen anything counter yet, that Deepin is more of reacting like, okay, well, yeah, somebody made a video about this. So yeah, we do have this, but it's harmless. And that is what makes me more suspicious about it. I'm yeah. not saying it's bad. I'm just, it makes it a little weird. Well, I would say it's not necessarily spyware because we don't have evidence that it is spyware, but I would say it definitely is sketchy. Let's be clear that this, you know, the first talk about this CNZZ came out back in April and Deepin's official response was back then. But this is uh, correlating to information that came out recently on their newest version. So their newest version, 15.6, is still communicating through the App Store. And Ryan, mm -hmm. you had mentioned about uh, websites. You know, if you go to a website, you know, they track you or they have different things for to know your screen resolution. Minor stuff that really maybe doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But the problem that I see in this is if, I mean, everybody knows out there that if you're going out on the web, you need to be careful. And if you don't want that information given, you have multiple options of browser extensions to stop these things from happening. But if you install Deepin, this is built into the App Center. And apparently it is still there in their latest version, albeit a little bit different. It's done a little bit differently now. But it's still, it's, there's no recourse. Like you don't even know that it's there in the app center and you surely don't expect an app center to act like a web page and pull that information regardless of how benign it is, regardless of how some people may not even care at all. But I think for the people that do care, it's definitely something that should be said. Yeah, it's definitely something that's kind of sketchy and needs to be, you know, if you're going to try to, if you're going to use it, you should definitely consider the, you know, what possibly it could be happening. Um, there's kind of like this weird uh, situation where some of the things that they're doing is somewhat sketchy, but also there's, there's, there's kind of like overblowing, like what really was happening. Mm -hmm. And there, and there's, and there's some kind of like, there, there's different uh, 
situations where some of the people are making claims that is like they're doing something or they're, or they're claiming something that they're not like, for example, on uh, one of the Reddit comments, someone said that they're, they were lying about what they were doing because there's not, they're not, they said that they were not going to do this anymore. They're not going to track users anymore. And they were making that claim as a, the community was making that claim that they were saying this, but in the, the, the announcement that they made in April, they were saying that they were not collecting user private information and will not collect user private information in the future. This is more of a specific statement to, it's more like an ambiguous statement saying, while they're not, they are technically tracking information, they're getting information, they're not getting user private information or your personal data. So mm -hmm. there, there's a separation there. So like, this is more of like, while we're not taking your specific data, we are taking some data. Yes, but well, this is about knowing your your audience, and to know, if you're messing with anything Linux, you have to know that people. There are a lot of people in the Linux community, a lot of people who went to Linux because of privacy concerns, and yeah. that's where I think transparency plays a big role. And why is this kind of suspicious? Why is the you know the data they're collecting? Eh. I think the issue yeah. isn't that; it's that you really need to be someone going to the app store should know right away that there's going to be some anonymized user data that's collected. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be discovered right. kind of as people are playing with this or doing some, you know, research into it. And maybe they had, I don't yeah. use Deepin on a regular basis. I don't know, but that would be the area that would make me kind of like, eh, is why aren't they out there kind of more talking about this right up front? So Linux people know, because Linux people need transparency. That's why we love Linux. And yeah. versus kind of responding to it after the fact. It's a very good point. It's also why I think that the, the way the way Canonical handed it was great because they were saying we're going to do this, but we also want to know, we want you to know that we're doing it and also want to give you the option to not do it if you don't want to. Mm, right. Whereas this yeah. one is just like, oh, someone found out, we'll respond. Well, apparently, I, and maybe they, they do it somewhere. I don't, I don't, I can't read Chinese. So maybe they did put it somewhere on their website. I don't know. Uh, but this is, that is a good point that it's, the transparency is is, is the, the one that's interesting. And there's also, if you, if you, there's hard, there's hardly any information about Deepin as a company either. Like I've tried to like research to, to find out more about this, where there's like an interview with someone from Deepin and they were asked like 10 to 12 questions or so. And they answered maybe three of them or three or four of them. And it's like, well, what kind of interview is that? Like you just refuse to answer the question. Like I, I would say it's 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 understandable if someone considers this like a sketchy situation. Mm. Yep, it's definitely sketchy. Well, maybe we could have them on the show one day. Maybe, maybe it would be nice. After this topic, they would totally jump. Yeah, they're totally going to come on. Totally going to come on there. Thanks, Michael. It's all your fault. I, um, I didn't put it in here. <laughs> let's let's switch up to some good news because I've been playing with a new feature that Firefox launched. They, they, Firefox has some new tools as part of their test pilot experiments, which you can sign up for. And mm -hmm. one of those tools, of course, uh, being that I'm, uh, what is it, DOS Apple now? <laughs> iDOS Geek, whatever you guys iDOS Geek, I like iDOS like. Geek, yeah. Uh, I'm a big Apple fan, as you guys know, for the phone, for mobile, out of the two crappy options we have. Apple is the one that uh, I choose. But in any case, one of the tools available for Apple from Firefox is a tool called Lockbox. And what I love about this is it's basically going after the LastPass Bitwarden. Well, it's not going after, but it's in that arena of the LastPass or Bitwarden password managers in that, you know, you have the save when you sync your Firefox account. You have the save options on websites to save your password. And Lockbox basically through encryption, 256-bit encryption, 
uh, allows you to, from your mobile device or other devices, have access to those passwords on the go, on the road or whatnot. You just download the app, you log in through your sync. Hopefully you're using two-factor authentication. If you're not, well, then your passwords aren't going to be that secure, but you got the two-factor authentication in there and you have basically a LastPass or Bitwarden-like uh, option to use right within Firefox. Now, for you Android users out there, who wants to take the other tool out there called Notes? I haven't tried it, but uh, I, I, I don't have a Firefox Sync account. So that's a good point to note that if you want to use these particular uh, experiments, you need to have a Firefox Sync account. And since I didn't have one, I haven't tried to do this, but this seems like it's going to be a, like a Google keep or an Evernote replacement concept from Mozilla. And that's a pretty cool idea. I like that. So you could have a notes tool that's connected to your browser and also one that has your usable, usable on your phone. So that I, I like the, the fact that they're doing this and I do want to try it out, but I don't really want a, a sync account, Firefox sync account, because um, I don't typically sync stuff like that, but you know, you use like one password for everything. Yeah, Hunter Go too. to tuxdigital.com. That that's the password now. <laughs> Tuxdigital.com slash password. Good job, man. Zed, did you try out the notes? Um, I installed it because I've got a, a Firefox sync account and I opened up the application and it looks it looks, you know, okay and nice. And then I thought, what what browser do I use on Linux? Hmm, Google Chrome. What's the point? I just don't use Firefox enough to want to worry about having notes that we all know I don't take because I've admitted it time after time after time. I don't take it on Linux. I don't take it on Windows. So why would I want to take it on my, on my, on my phone? So you should probably uh, try Firefox to help improve yourself. <laughs> could do, but no, it's just, this is not. Firefox just, is great. It's, it's good. Yeah. This is just not something for me. I mean, I, I, I will probably give it a shot at some time. But what about uh, you, I don't have to sync yet. I don't think that this would take the place of Bitwarden for me. Um, but, you know, obviously I can't try the lockbox out because I'm not an Apple fanboy. Um, but, <clears throat> <laughs> but I did install the notes, but I didn't have time to check it out to see actually how it, mm-hmm. how it compared to anything else. But I'm, you know, I use Simple Note and that's, that works for me. So this would have to be, really super good in order to take me away from simple note yeah for me i have a i have a self-hosted notes thing so it's simple like, note for the win man that's my go-to yeah I th- simple notes really good too um but isn't simple note owned by microsoft now we're not talking about that we don't i don't remember which one who, who made simple note it was either wordpress or github i don't, I don't remember it, i could be wrong about that you're but, all wrong about it but what what google did uh you know got google what uh, Firefox, you should look at Firefox test pilot. Cause those are awesome. If you ever never heard of those before, cause we just, we did kind of discuss that test pilot is their experiment system and they have like every couple months or so they have new experiments that you want to try out. So like the container tabs was, a, was an experiment that was fantastic. Well, they had that for a year, but it's still awesome. Um, and currently if you're, these are not interested of you go check out the Firefox color experiment. That one's a pretty cool one cause you can customize the design and look of your Firefox. So, Michael, there are also six IDEs that people should be aware of. Yes. This was written by our friend who we're not going to say his name. We refuse to say his name on the show, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Martin (laughs) Wimby. 
<laughs> well, okay. But, so first, let's explain what an IDE is. Yes, an I, I, IDE is a integrated development environment. It essentially is a code editor or a text editor that has stuff built into the particular language that you're trying to use or a project or, for example, maybe even a conversion control system. So it could have integration with Git. It could have integration with Python and things like that. So it's a, um, it's a very useful thing to have if you want to do, for example, Python. And you could have a, uh, like, for example, in this list, PyCharm is an IDE specifically for Python. Love and that, PyCharm. Yeah, PyCharm is great. And it, it, what PyCharm gives you is the ability to write in uh, Python and have syntax highlighting. Now, a lot of text editors have syntax highlighting. That's kind of like a default to be a good code editor. But what PyCharm also provides is the ability to test your code and run it through different interpreters to make sure that everything's working as, as, you're using, as you're writing it. And it could also tell you while you're writing it if it's going to work or you know, if, if it finds an error and things like that. So that's the benefits of IDEs. Yep. Now, I've used several of these on this list. Visual Studio Code I tried out because several developers we had on, Rocco mentioned, they use this. Even though it's a Microsoft product, it's available as a Snap. Yep. Uh, apparently, it is very powerful. I've played with it a little bit. You re recall all the folks who used it offhand? Um, I know Dustin uses it. I'm pretty sure Martin himself uses it. Um, and I can't remember the other couple that do, but apparently it has uh, multiple features in it that helps out the, basically shortcuts to allow yeah. you to do things that you would normally have to do manually. Uh, so it's not yeah, something automation things. I did try it, but it's not, I'm not a coder. So it's not like not uh, true. You've contributed to code on my GitHub page and you did a great job. I am not a coder. <laughs> so I have, you know, if I'm going to do something like, you know, help you with that, um, Install script. Install script. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I will use Sublime Text because it doesn't have, uh, I don't benefit from the features that uh, Visual Studio Code has. So. Sure. I think Visual Studio Code was really neat. I love the extension abilities in it, but Sublime Text has always been my favorite. I guess it's the one when I started coding, It's it's been there and it's just something I'm very used to. So absolutely love sublime text and PyCharm that Michael used uh, or talked about. I also utilized because it, they also had the, they have a free version community edition and then they have the enterprise and it was like, it came with a huge package and the, the paid for version in a humble bundle. And I picked it up there. And so some of the Python, the terrible Python coding that I'm trying to do, uh, I've done in PyCharm and I do like how PyCharm lays things out and it's error checking is second to none. Uh, in the ones that I've tried. But this all goes back to what works best for you as well. Because right. The best, obviously, is Sublime Text. Obviously, Michael. <laughs> obviously, it's the best. Yeah. 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 I mean, not just for me, but in, like in general, just but because. This is very subjective uh, as far as, and not the article is not subjective, but our discussion about which one has, is yeah. the best, basically, is very subjective because it, were, it depends on what works for you. If you use the plugins, for Visual Studio, if you don't use them, uh, so whatever you enjoy, you do yeah. you. You work, you use what's best for you is pretty much it. And that, and, and also let us know in the comments why Sublime is so good for you. Yes, why it's the best. Clearly, <laughs> uh, clearly we're not biased here. No, I'm not biased. I've actually uh, I've never used Visual Studio Code, so I have no I can't really even tell you. 
but uh, Sublime is great because it has all those plugins and automated features and all that good stuff. You know? So Not talking biased. about using what's best for you, um, we're always talking about desktop limits, but there are a group of people out there who love living life in the terminal. Um, and we know we've got the <laughs> i3 Prodigy um, on, our, on our show. Um, so you'll be happy to know that there is now a browser, a new browser, happy or to, for the terminal lovers and it's known as Broush. i am so happy now, about this oh yeah Broush. it's fun to say too why Broush. you would want to look at a website that is predominantly javascripted full of pictures and you know animations and see the pixelated con oh hang on there's that word pixelated right <laughs> over to you why are we <laughs> about Broush? Why would we not talk about Browse, man? This is exciting. If you've never wanted to browse the web through your terminal, I don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe you're a Google Chrome fan or something, but most normal Linux users want to browse. <laughs> no, of course they do. Uh, no, they don't. Of course they, they want do. pixelated video and everything. Yeah. Yes, great. I don't know okay. how to sell this. Uh, Text-based web browsing. This one is unique, though, in that it uses HTML5, CSS3, JavaScript, and you can play video content through it. It will be completely, I played with it, pixelated to the degree that you can't really even watch the video, but it, you do get the sound. Well, that's good. So there's, yeah. there's, there's that. It's, you know, at least it's, it's, it's somewhat, you know, functional in that sense. I mean, I like the idea of having a browser, a web-based browser that you can use from, let's say if you install it on a server, you can SSH into that server and use the web browser from there. So like, that's like, and that's like the only thing I can think of that would make this useful, but there are some like other browsers that do this, like links and stuff like that. Uh, I think there's actually links and another one that's called links, which spelled differently. So that's at least this one is actually a different word. <laughs> so we can, um, but this one's uh, this one's better is because it has the HTML5 and the CSS JavaScript functionality. So it, when it loads the web the web page, it for the most part has the same design layout. The image is not necessarily that good because they're all pixelated, but not necessarily. Uh, hey, some people like pixels. Okay. Yeah, I you love know, the, pixels. Why? You know, that's why Minecraft is so popular because they like the the structure of the box, uh, block, the uh, blocky design. Maybe people like the blocky design of their logos and stuff. So on their site, they say their main purpose is it significantly reduces bandwidth. So we think in terms of us who have these ridiculously good internet connections for now, anyways, but people who do not have strong internet connections or have data caps. A lot of people utilize their phone plans now and they don't, they want to browse some websites, but they don't want to use all their data up with graphics and those types of things. This would be a use case for them uh, to be able to reduce their bandwidth. And it's kind of cool that they get some form of a smudgy pixelated picture of what. They're yeah, that's at. totally cool. I would definitely want to yeah. do that. So here's a quick tip from the destination Linux team. Please don't watch our next show when it's released on Friday because our wonderful XFE, XFCE gnome will just be a brick. Yep. <laughs> Sounds awesome to me. But, okay, so I'm going to redeem myself. If you don't want to browse from the terminal, how about getting the weather from the terminal, Rocco? Surely you want to be able to look at the weather in your terminal. Is it pixelated? Sort of, but they did really good cloud stuff with the pixels. Oh, well, then like, I'm it's there. A, it's, like, it's like the ASCII art type stuff. Then I'm there. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was really cool. And it, you know what I thought when I saw this is 
This is something you would want to auto start on your computer. When you boot up, you have two terminal windows that pop up and stay open, which by the way is a pain to code in a bash script, I found out, um, to stay open. And you want to be able to see the weather and the other side of the script will show you the price, current price of Bitcoin. So you can know when you can buy a GPU, not because I care about the price of Bitcoin otherwise. And uh, so I created a script out there on GitHub to do just that. You boot your computer and boom, you have your weather uh, through your terminal pop-up and the current price of Bitcoin. I think it's pretty cool. Who else is going to install it here? Well, Come I got to I gotta leave right now so I can go download it. And it's... <laughs> yep, extreme, extreme weather hopping. Right. Yep. But I, I think this is kind of, is this has a benefit because you can use it as a as a an output to another script. So you could you, there is some potential to it. Uh, but there are also other options that you could use if you want to have it like in your conky maybe uh, stuff like that. But that's kind of cool. You yeah. you could just check the weather on the website. No, that is that's too, oh, that's probably too easy though, right? Yeah, right. We, we need to have it like automatically rendered on the desktop. That, but, but, what else would you do with it? You're I mean, thinking like a Windows user, man. Of course, yeah, I am. exactly. Because yeah, there's no Linux user that wants to go to the website for weather. So Websites? Are, are they using Browse? Yeah. Then it's okay. <laughs> So to finish off with a trio of um, terminal information, um, we know that we have ScreenFetch and NeoFetch that bring us some CPU, uh, that bring us some information about your computer, your CPU, and all the rest of it. Well, someone's now gone out and created CPUFetch. Um, now, in my system, this it provides a nice little neat ASCII of the word Intel. I'm assuming it will do a similar one if you've got AMD or a RISC processor or whatever. Um, and then it gives you information about the names, the frequency, the number of cores, um, then a load of three-digit gobbledygook that I haven't got a clue what it's talking about, but you can read it in the show notes or if you go and have a look at CPU. Gobbledygook. <laughs> yep. And then the, the thing that really confused me is right at the end, they talk about peak flops. Now, why on earth anybody would want to mention how many times I get killed in Bok? I don't know, but hey, it's on there. Love it. So have anybody tried it? Uh, I have, I have looked at it for a little bit, but it's, it's kind of like, I liked how it's the screen fetch and NeoFetch, but like the way it displays it, but it's a lot of the information I don't necessarily need to display in that sense. It's good to have. And I, I like when I need to do some troubleshooting to find out what kind of CPU I have to do, like to figure out some kind of issue like that's, that's, that's cool. I don't think I need to know like which particular like L cache specifically I need to know. <laughs> It's, no? so it's, it's cool to have. I like it. Yeah. But I don't, it might not. I think it was built into Arco Linux when you pull up the terminal. Doesn't it have NeoFetch there, Zeb? I believe it does, yeah. On, on Arco it does, yeah. Um, yeah. And thankfully he's fixed the little problem whereby they did an upgrade to NeoFetch and all you ended up was with a load of weird, odd characters. So you no longer have to go in and delete the NeoFetch config file. It now just... It now just works on Arco, which is nice. It's so cool that Eric puts out them fixes in a timely manner because, uh, you know, people struggle with these issues. And uh, his, his results for putting a fix out is awesome. But you know mm -hmm. what else is awesome, Zeb? Yeah, go on. The Unity game engine. <laughs> this game engine, and I'm getting ready for this article, I was did a search for all of the games that run on the Unity engine, and it is just amazing how many games 
uh, run on this. And the reason that we're bringing it up is because their version 2018.2 includes Vulkan and Linux improvements. But some of the games, Ryan, you can go into the specifics of the, uh, of the features of this update, but some of the games that they have, Seven Days to Die, Rust, Hand of Fate, Verdun, Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Shogun, Albion Online, Hollow Knight, Tannenberg, and the list goes on. And I mean, it just goes forever of the amount of games that are built off of this engine. So tell us what's new, man. Well, what was cool, what I was thinking about is there was a developer, I wish I could find a game that somebody posted on their Steam page, hey, are we going to get a Linux version? And they go, oh yeah, I always forgot to click that export to Linux or, you know, version in within the game engine. It's becoming that easy to move to port your game to Linux. Mm -hmm. And um, so they did and, you know, released the Linux version of the game. And so when we talk about the Unity game engine and why this is really cool with some of the Vulkan improvements specifically, which I kind of mentioned with Doom, how fast and amazing Doom was when they added uh, Vulkan support in there. Um, we're talking about Unity adding features at the same pace that they're adding them to Linux in their latest version from Windows to Linux. So that if somebody wants to develop in Linux on the Unity engine, they can develop in it without missing any features. And this is something that we're starting to see kind of across the board with the software maintainers that they're now kind of creating the same versions. We talked about some last week as well within Windows and Linux at the same time versus this being this period of, you know, Windows gets the versions before Linux does, et cetera, which can put a developer kind of behind in some cases. So I think it's really important that they're getting these new features. The new features are scriptable render pipeline improvements, Lightweight render pipeline is available for preview. This is their new high definition pipeline that's not fully released yet, but it's a preview option, like a beta tool option. And now you can play with that, whether you're in Windows or in Linux. It's support for streaming texture minimaps, particle system improvements, these type of things, which may not mean a lot to somebody who's not a game developer. But if you are a game developer, you want the same tools available across the board. And of course, you're going to get the Vulkan support and high DPI support in both versions now as well. So hopefully, when you look at this list of games you mentioned, this means we're going to start seeing these games coming to Linux faster and more regularly because it's going to be so much more easy for them to just throw their weight behind a Linux version of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's essentially at this point, it's kind of like a just a checkbox in the Unity. It's like, you know, oh, Linux version? Okay, sure. Yep. <laughs> That's one of the, the great things about Unity and Unreal Engine. Uh, they, they both have that, you know, very easy transitional to thing to then. And for example, like uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to is playing, it's, it has, it's built on Unity, but doesn't work on Linux yet is Cuphead. And yes. apparently there's, there's like no reason why they can't. So, you know, if you want to send a tweet to them, let them know that you want to play it on Linux. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear that all this backend stuff is going on, but it's also good to hear that the developers are remembering the end user um, because apparently CSGO are bringing out a new UI um, for their game. Um, and it's going to be a simple matter of um, editing your Steam entry for um, Counter-Strike Global Offense, adding the option of uh, minus or hyphen, whichever you want to call it, panorama now i'm not a big enough gamer to know what the csgo interface used to look like but from do my you remember 1999 <laughs> alanis morrison okay do you remember okay. do you remember websites that were built in that town that era 
Geocities. Now you know exactly what it looks like. That's my heyday as well. But looking at this, um, you know, the screenshots and actually trying it out on the version I've got, this is actually pretty slick. Mm -hmm. So, Ryan, have you you used it at all? Have you tried it? Of course, man. I could not wait to get (laughs) in there and test this out. Eventually, this is going to be the default, so you won't have to edit the launch options for the panorama, I would imagine. But the new UI was super impressive. When you log in, you kind of have these three-dimensional characters now that are there. Your mini-map is redone so that it's just easier to see where enemies are. It's got a, a, a lot more transparency to it, but still extraordinarily functional. Every screen you go to from the UI perspective has changed up, and it's so much easier to navigate and find stuff where it needs to be. Now, I would imagine for those who have been playing CSGO for, what has it been out for, 20 years or something? They're going to be used to having those flat panels and flat icons and may have to spend a couple seconds figuring out the new UI. But I think it's really important to keep games like this relevant, to do changes and updates like this. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing CSGO has been played for this long and beloved by so many for so long. So it's awesome to see they're continuing to support it and they're continuing to make these improvements in all versions, including the Linux version. Yeah. It, it, it looks it looks so much better than the previous version, but that's not hard to do. But it's it's good that they did it. <laughs> yeah. But you, Ryan, you said that this is mostly in the loading screens or in the uh, screen where you pick your weapons or something. This is not like a complete overhaul of the actual game itself. Yeah, the game itself, I didn't see any changes. If there are, we don't have all the details on this update yet. If there are, I didn't see. I couldn't really tell. Uh, mainly, it's just UI. And then the big change while you're in-game so far is the mini-map. The mini-map is, is changed so where your enemies and stuff are. So I think this, the game still looks amazing. It's a ton of fun to play. Although, you know, we talk about being bad in Ballistic Overkill. With people playing CSGO as long as they have, you really feel like a loser when you play CSGO. <laughs> I actually know someone who's playing the game, and I played counter, CSGO with him. And within maybe 30 seconds, I'm like, no, nah, I don't like this anymore. And it, when I, after I asked him um, how much he played this particular game, he was like, uh, well, the Steam says it's like 2,000 hours. And like, but he's like, oh but that only gosh. counts CSGO. If you count like CS, Counter-Strike Source, Counter-Strike 1.6, I was like, oh, okay, that explains why I was destroyed in two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zeb, you make fun of me for bringing up pixelated games all the time. So I'm going to redeem myself here with you. Really? And mm-hmm. you're going to be so proud. Zeb of this game I'm going to recommend well I can't recommend okay. it because I haven't played it but uh, it, it's come out Hero You Rogue to Redemption Hero You Rogue to Redemption that's fun to say yeah it's kind of hard to say in a little <laughs> tongue twister uh, this was a popular Kickstarter back in 2012 they raised well over 400k and now the game is out for Linux so they're showing Linux some love and those who are familiar with these games, these were created by the developers of the absolutely popular, what is it, Heroes Quest, I believe, out there uh, originally. So you can go check this game out. Anybody uh, looking at this, getting it in their Steam shopping cart right now? Mm, is this an RTS? No. That's a big negative, Ryan, because, I mean, uh, really, would you pay thirty one ninety nine for this? Wait, thirty one ninety nine. Yeah, would you pay thirty one ninety nine for this? No, 
I would pay thirty one ninety nine for wait Rocket for League. Steam sale. On wow. This. But by the way, I said Heroes Quest. It's Quest for Glory. Uh, that Quest I'm for Glory. Yeah. Quest for Glory. Uh, it's a role playing game. It's extremely popular. If you look at the feedback on it, it's overwhelmingly positive. People love this game. So while you may look at it and go, it's not worth thirty one ninety nine. A lot of people seem to think so. Yes, but yeah, going I'm, I'm by going this, by this the style of the game is what I'm is not what I'm talking about because if you're into this style of game, you're more than sure going to pay thirty one ninety nine for it. But but somebody who's just a casual person who who's just well, I don't think I'm going to be paying thirty one ninety nine for it. What about for the soundtrack? It's award winning by a composer who's named Ryan. Oh well, if Ryan's he's named awesome. if he's named Ryan, then yeah, yeah then I'm. Okay. Good. We also need to be clear about that. Thirty one forty nine is the price for the sale. It's normally thirty four ninety nine. Yeah, so, you're getting a huge discount. That's so much better. Deal. That's so much better. Well, yeah. I so. deliberately waited to look at this because I knew Ryan would be getting excited. Um, <laughs> and thirty one ninety nine, I wouldn't pay one ninety nine. Zeb, that's ugly. That's, Zeb, that is bad. Yeah. I'm not an RPG fan, but. You're excited by these graphics, and we need to we need to sit down and have a serious chat. This is Look, not pixelated. This is a certain yeah. style that is like I chose this because the graphics aren't pixelated. They're right? gorgeous. They're just yeah okay. I'm they're not vectorized basically. Like <laughs> they're, well, they're, listen, um, yeah. If you if you are a gamer, you may want to check this one out because seriously, it is overwhelmingly people love it. So it is very popular. They had a very successful Kickstarter, and they're showing Linux some love. So just out of that alone, they deserve some respect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else deserves some respect, Rocco? Well, there's a guy in our Telegram group named Shicken, and this is his new favorite game. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> because this is will be. yeah. This is I'm gonna name. I'm gonna dub it. Chicken Assassin Reloaded. <laughs> so this is coming. This is already or previously out. known as the Chicken Assassin Master of Humiliation. Right now, this is that's, out that's already. Awesome name, but it is not going to support Linux. Now we're recording this on Sunday, July fifteenth. It's not going to support Linux until July seventeenth. So by the time this airs, you'll hear it come out, or you'll be able to buy it. But this is um, Mean McAllister, Ryan is the chicken that you go around and you either punch or shoot uh, different things to gain over 450 items to collect. So this yeah. this graphics now I didn't I'm not going to buy it. Now this is only 499. So this may be something that you may want to pick up and just you know throw 499 okay so this is a mouse jamming game it looks like (laughs) i haven't played it but if you it it, it literally says give your hands a workout in one of the things and if you're not familiar with this genre of game i i haven't played these it wasn't my thing but because i haven't played them i can't you know say they're good or they're bad but the idea behind it is you click as fast as you can to attack bosses on the screen so you move your aim around and you're just jamming on that button to see how fast Mm -hmm. you can do damage to them and those type of things yeah this is a button smasher game yeah remember like that you need to smash that like button (laughs) so the idea behind it is very it's supposed to be an rpg and it has a very funny storyline crazy environments it's completely over the top even when you watch the video you're like what is going on here but Listen, they're adding, again, Linux support out there. A lot of people like these style of games. They're very popular. And now we have Chicken Assassin Reloaded. So there you go. You guys going to buy it right away? Anybody? Um, hold mm. on. Let me think. 
Now, seriously, it's only four ninety nine. So it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's this is a more reasonable price than the previous. Definitely one. <laughs> more reasonable price. I don't think it's my genre of games, but um, yeah, three ninety nine or four ninety nine, you can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely worth something to play with. Yeah, um, there's also something that might be worth playing is the rest of the community in the Steam group that des- that a community a member decided to create for the Destination Linux. So you can have the Destination Linux Steam group. They'll have linked in the show notes. And if you'd like to join uh, us as well as Shambles, who created the the community or the Steam group, then you can do that. And we we uh, I mean, this is definitely a good place for everybody to get in touch and to play ballistic overkill for example with the with the rest of us well being uh, that we can barely get our zoom uh announcements out on time for <laughs> patrons uh it's a good idea that the community has jumped in here to help us yeah. run a different community so shambles went in there and created a destination linux steam group you guys can go join it i think this is awesome that the community is creating stuff around the show and helping us stay organized because we need it. Yep. And uh, it would be a great way to get to know some of the fans of the show and do some games with them because we've had tons of people just dropping in on Ballistic Overkill. Like we're in the mm-hmm. Destination Linux Discord and random people will just show in and start playing with us. And we have a blast. Yeah. We have complete Linux takeovers of yes. servers. In we'll fact, like, you, could, you could be saying that on these servers we go ballistic. Oh, yeah, we go ballistic. Like right. We literally will pick a server, and we will take it completely over with Linux users. And then when Windows people come in there, we shame them until they leave. So it's it's a beautiful <laughs> yep. We don't really do that. We don't do that part. But. And, and here's a quick tip for anybody who is going to join us and play us on Bok. You have to let Rocco win. Yes. Oh, wow. Cry. It's so sad. He, has he, he rages so hard. Oh, he sends God. selfies of him crying, all kinds of stuff. But with Ballistic Overkill in mind, um, there's also some exciting updates that have been coming through. Um, and the fact that now there's going to be more female skins for different classes uh, cool. to even out the gender uh, balances. There's a new game mode, but they haven't said what it is, at least not that I can let's, see. Let's hope and pray it's CTF. Come on. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, not going to be. That's, I can give you my, my, Michael, my, shatter my, my prediction. <laughs> well, I have a prediction of what it might be. Uh, just because based on the size of the maps, Capture the Flag is not going to be that, you know, difficult because they have really small maps, but it's like it's called jam-packed battles. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be like an, a class-based ma- a mode where you're only allowed one person per class on the team. So you have to be a more an actual strategic uh, team game mm-hmm. rather than doing something know. like that with Overwatch. Yeah, Overwatch is is basically like that. They have that mode, and I think it's going to be a similar mode to that because I think that would be a really good way of doing it. Because you know, when you go to play the game and there's like six different shadows or six different snipers, it's a, a bunch it, of cheating know. snipers out there. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and Rocco t- plays. Yeah, right, typically, of t- that's how you can guarantee that Rocco is a cheater because he hands a sniper all the time. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> my rate is higher than yours, Michael. I don't know what you're Whoa, talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Just there was it. There was it. There was at least two games where I was above you on this leaderboard. At least two. Yeah. The other forty yeah, were different. <laughs> that doesn't matter. That's, that doesn't matter. But the good thing is, well, is again, it's a set of developers who are thinking about the end users and the way they played the game because they've they've they've, they've concentrated on the the end user with optimized custom map loading times. Because some of the you know the boring parts are you've just finished the game and then you've got to wait three or four minutes before the next map loads. Um, and they're providing an upgraded Steam API, which will increase your CPU performance. Um, 
fixed not being able to vote for Blackfield map. So there's obviously had some feedback from the users and uh, this can only but end up being good good for the game and I the think, gameplay. And I think this is the most exciting that. game right now on Linux. Uh, it's one of the I most agree. exciting One games. of the most. I have had, there is also Rocket League, but it's one of the most. I've had some of the most fun I have ever had in the you know playing games playing with you guys and with the community in ballistic overkill anybody can jump in and play this game and yeah at first you're going to get killed a lot and then you're still going to get killed a lot but you'll get better and yeah. uh you it's know still it, fun even anybody if you get can jump a lot. in irregardless of your skill set there were some people who have jumped in that i didn't know were gamers i don't think they've actually played other games very much before but they are enjoying and having a good time and then uh, there's the trash talking you get to hear from Rocco. And yeah. if, what is this <laughs> Rocco thing all of a sudden? If like, you think extreme. Rocco is the super nice guy, you wait till he um, says the words he uses in Ballistic Overkill, like, uh, right. what Just, was it, Tallywag he used the other day? Uh, fiddlesticks. Oh, my God. Fiddlesticks. Fiddle oh, it was yeah. so offensive. Um, but he, <laughs> he takes this game very, very seriously and funny. <laughs> We have a blast. I enjoy using the sniper. That's what I use regardless of what map it is. So Michael usually tries to pull out the ninja when he can't shoot me. And, and that's not necessarily true. That's almost half the time, but that's not always. I sometimes get you with a gun. Sometimes. Sword. The sword for, I, I like the sword. The sword's fun. Okay. Yeah. But, but anyway. It is an awesome game to play. And if you haven't checked it out, uh, you should. And yeah, it's can... fantastic. And there's also a lot of the times during the streams, we'll have this question about, is the game worth it? When the game goes on sale, it's a guaranteed worth it. But I would say even the full price is, I mean, double the full price. I would $35 that the other game, I would definitely pay that for Ballistic Over. Yeah, I would too, actually. Well, this, is, this is almost like a AAA game. And yeah. it's definitely yeah. worth the money. If you decide to get it, uh, you can join the Destination Linux uh, community on Steam and you can find us there or you can join mm -hmm. destinationlinux.org forward slash discord and join us there as well because that's where we'll be when we're playing. Just keep in mind that is PG in there because sometimes we do stream. So uh, except for Rocco and his... Rocco is hardly yeah. ever PG. He's yeah. like, he's like MA maybe. It's like the... <laughs> so a big shout out to the creators of Ballistic Overkill for making an awesome game. Oh yeah, that's it's it's one of my favorites for sure. All right, I think that wraps it up, right? We got nothing else. All right, well, we definitely talk about Rocket League if you want. What about Rocket League, Michael? <laughs> how awesome it is, and how it's got a new it's got a new mode. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, anniversary. We got to end the show. It's Michael. the anniversary mode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why did you Why did you entertain that, Rocket? <laughs> a big thank you to each and every one of you for watching and listening, however way you do it. We appreciate it. Joining Discord, thank you very much. And keep your comments coming. Um, I know we talk about it every week, but we really do get enjoyment about how you're reacting to us, how you like aspects of the show, where you think we've got some things wrong. So get in touch with us at comments at destinationlinux.org. Um, you can talk to us on Discus, and you can uh, pop some comments at the bottom of the websites. So keep them coming. And where appropriate, we'll try and answer all we can. Absolutely. And uh, don't forget that we do this show live on most, most weeks. We do it live on Twitch and YouTube. 
So yeah, you there's should, a link to Twitch on our website. There is okay, yeah, yeah. There's a link on the website now to Twitch if you would like to use the Twitch. Uh, 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 I, it's always been there. Of course, I it just, has. I just, I decided to just unhide it this time. Yeah, it's okay. not that you would do it in the middle of a show. Right, so it was an Easter happen. egg. Yeah, it was an Easter egg. Okay. Uh, anyway, so the we are on Twitch and YouTube, but also for patrons, we're on the Zoom. Uh, you can you can join us on the, the if you want to download, go to Zoom.us. You can download the Zoom software. You can join us for the pre-show and the post-show of this show because only the the actual show is streamed live the pro show and the pre-show are for the patrons only so you can if you are a patron or you want to be a patron you can go to patreon.com slash destination linux and you know you can get the link to the zoom for that's posted every week so you know definitely join us to have a, a direct conversation yeah you can literally troll me impressed. directly right in zoom they don't like need to everyone do else you don't have to troll me just in youtube I, chat or Twitch in fact chat. You, you can, can even, troll Ryan in Zoom. You can troll Ryan, but you can maybe even more importantly, you can get dusting tips from Rocco. Yes, and that's awesome important. Dusting mm. tips. Some of the that best is tips in, ever. Like, don't swipe this way. You're just knocking the dust off the table. <laughs> Zeb, I think Circles, all of this, lift, all of this uh, <laughs> hatred comes from being shot too much. I think by that <laughs> what? ballistic overkill. I think what? that's where it comes from. I'm just saying. Anybody that can get revenge. Yep. Pretty no, much. I never, I never, I don't have any kind of ill will. Rocco is making it to the leaderboards, embarrassingly, to the rest of us who are like eighth and ninth. But anyways, we will appreciate uh, all the continued support from our patrons. We love the emails. Please keep sending them in. We do read them all and try to reply as quickly as we can and maybe feature them in the show notes as well. And patrons, stay on because you get to hang out with us in the after show. All right, that'll wrap it up. Everybody have a great week. And remember, remember the journey, the journey itself. itself is just as important as the destination. As the destination. There you go. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. To the Zoom chat. Well, to the zoos where you Yeah, I was going to say, welcome to the zoo. <laughs> Just leave it at zoo. This, Michael, is how you do a sound test. One, two, three. I'm working on dancing right now. Is it on there yet? It's not. How dare you Im yeah, imply that I can be working magic. Dance, monkey. It's coming, though. It's coming. No, it's not. It's to, to a theater near you. When he says soon, he means like two months from now. Ah, he needs to be the nice guy. I'm at Rocco. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Rocco poisoned me. He's so rude. With rage. Of course, it's my fault. You know, it's funny. We were in a game, and I was saying something about uh, they should listen to the to Rocco rage in the in the Discord. And then he was like, "What?" And then, it, like, within 20 seconds, he starts raging about something. I did yeah. not stop wow. raging about it. Wow. It's so news, dude. <laughs> wow. It was like it was like we talk wow. about. Zeb's temper. You should see Rocco's, man. That is yeah, that is such it's fake news. Savage. Dude. It's a switch. Wow. He just he just turns into this monster. He's a rage monster. Oh, it was so me. bad. My kids came downstairs and said, "Who was that angry man, Daddy?" Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> Did you say he's a harmless duster? Yeah. <laughs> so does that mean we've got a name in Big Duster Linux now? No.
Duster Linux. That's my <laughs> I like it. I like it. Big Duster Linux live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, no, you're not, Seven. No, you're not. <laughs> sorry, Rico. You're not. You're so not awesome. sorry. <laughs> Zeb, help me out here. Wow, Zeb, you've been letting me down lately. That is selfish, sir. Yeah. Understandable, but Way to be a friend. Somebody do a timer. Ready, set. Let us know when you're ready. I am, I am not your puppet. Yeah. I don't have to take this. Yeah. So, we are in business. I think we're good. We can do it. Maybe. Sort of. Are we going to run a fancy intro, too? We are. You're going to have to be quiet. Oh. Wait, what? I don't understand what that means. He means we talk during the whole thing. He loves it. We don't do that. It makes him so happy when we do it. You see the smile on his face every time we interrupt the intro? Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's why I do it, because he enjoys it. Yeah. I don't want to put that smile on Rocco's face. Right? Exactly. You two finished? Yeah. So we started yet? Exactly. You cannot have that one. Okay, there might not be a link on the on the website for the one. There isn't a link on the website. I said there might not. Clifford wants to know if you have your DL shirt yet, Michael. That's a really good question. That is Clifford. a good question, Michael. Do you? Hey, I'm I'm putting the link on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Dance monkey. That's not necessarily wrong. All right. Michael had uh, another battery issue problem on his stream. Oh, I didn't have... It was the mouse. The mouse batteries died. Okay, it's not a big deal. You happen to have batteries die on you quite often, don't you? Well, okay, this is the first time it was my fault. The other time it was the the talk and it was not my fault. Okay. You know he's so cheap, he goes in there and buys those (laughs) off-brand version of the batteries, the... Bob's battery for two ninety nine because he doesn't want to pay four ninety nine for a Duracell. Yep, the Malkaline. That's ridiculous. Malkaline I would brand. never do that. In <laughs> fact, this is a super brand name members mark. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you look at the mirror that extends across your entire wall on the other side, you can see that. You can look at yourself. That's when we noticed the pop sound. I didn't know you knew about that mirror. You know that entire wall is one big mirror. You, you know, know it is. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. It's a mirror here and then a mirror over there, so it's even bigger. He's getting up there. He's like, my gosh, you're fabulous. Look at your hair. Um, oh, my gosh. That's that's yep. ridiculous. <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> Wait, the ceiling is mirror. The walls are mirror. Everything is mirror. If what? Okay, the only mirror that you don't see is right here because that would be excessive. There's a mirror on the front, this back wall behind the monitor, of course, because you know I, I just want to like look to the side like that. Yeah, good hair, got it. Uh, you ever had a bad hair day? Yeah. Loads. I don't remember the day it happened, but I remember it happened at some point. Yeah. Well, to be okay, on to be to be fair about like maybe I I have like a lot of hair on my head that's and that I. I put the effort into my beard looks really weird in my opinion. Yeah, you could do something with that beard. No, I can't. This is how it grows. This is the best <laughs> I can do. <laughs> what were you saying, Clifford? It's it's not the beard that makes his face look weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sure we trust Rocco with an OBS file though when you get that done? Well, I'll have a copy. I have a copy. 
Okay. Yeah, I don't. I've stumbled through seventy nine episodes now. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. Clearly. I forgot the recording button. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> oh my gosh! Boom! Killing me. Ridiculous. But the funny thing is, is both of you did it back to back. Yeah. Yeah, and we both mocked each other back yes. to back about it too. And I just mocked you in your stream yesterday about it. Luckily, it wasn't. I wasn't being mocked live stream. <laughs> yeah, you didn't tell anybody about it. You you didn't you didn't admit it. Rocco. Yeah. I'm having a problem with my audio. Every time Michael's face comes up, all I hear is. <laughs> oh no, that's normal. That's a pulse audio issue. There's nothing you can do to fix that. It's just that's just the way it is, dude. <laughs> like I haven't been late whatsoever for Destination Linux, and I'm late every time for my own stuff. You have so, done amazing. I, I, that is true. I am very yeah. impressed that you have not been late. I don't have to do as much, but still. We're not terribly but, disappointed but in our decision to bring you on. Yeah. Right? Not terribly <laughs> disappointed? <laughs> yeah. That, that <laughs> adjective, put it. that that uh, that specific adverb to that particular uh, sentence is bothersome. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. So. You, no, it's, totally it's good. good. It's good, Mike. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You, you look thing. at things Ultimately. too technical. Yeah. It'll be fake nah. news. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't prove it. You couldn't. You know what we should do, guys? What we should ballistic we do? overkill? We should solve this through some ballistic overkill. Whoever gets yeah. the highest score was right. Uh, no, that's not how it works. Let's not do that. Not <laughs> we should do that. definitely do that. Let's not do that. Uh, yeah, I do think uh, all of the hatred comes from getting killed too much. Yeah, I would. No, that's ridiculous. It's 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 you actually from... tapped into something with that, Michael or uh, Rocco. I was thinking, yeah, it probably is. I'm sick of getting. I'm sick of being afraid to run across the map because I'm gonna get shot in the head. I'm sick of it. I like that dedication, though. You know. What, wait, are we are we doing it like? Can I pick individual games? Which one that applies to? Mm. No, I don't I think could, so. I can do it. I can do it like once every six games or so. If we, we make Rocco him. use the pistol, I still think he'd have a higher score than us. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I'm serious. No, I, I am. I am amazing at this game. No, he's got to be a sniper with a pistol or whatever gun the sniper has as their secondary. He can't use the sniper rifle and see who has the highest score with Rocco having that handicap. Even if I have the sniper rifle, I can never hit anyone. <laughs> so what's no point in so what's, it's, so man, I would need a handicap because I'm way better than Rocco. So, uh, wow, of course you are. No, you're not, though. Of course you are. <laughs> no, you're not, though. <laughs> no, times yesterday, and you were number 10 and 11 down with me. I have a screenshot. Before the game, you've got to mess your hair up. That's your handicap. That's not a possibility. You'd yeah. be so worried about it. It deals off. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could physically do that to myself. I think I'd just be like, much. oh my gosh. It's, it's like. That'd be like telling Rocco no, pour dust no. on your desk before you play. Like, Ain't going to happen. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. It'd be fun to kind mm. of go back and forth. Like if you guys have any stories about, you know, the rotary dial phones and stuff you used to use. Or uh, the tin cans with the string. <laughs> <laughs> you guys lost your sense of humor. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Zeb. Whoa. Whoa, Zeb. 
Uh, I was just teasing, man. Wait, just... Ryan, Ryan, the reason Wait. why they couldn't get it because the string was too long and they hadn't got to him yet. <laughs> Ryan, this should, wouldn't it be cool if he put on the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi oh, and yeah, pulled that out? Oh, yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi and do that. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> I'd resemble that remark. person who invented two-factor authentication mm -hmm. yeah. can we get him on a show because i want to kill him <laughs> I, I absolutely hate the fact that every time i log in anywhere i've got to go and pick my phone up and go yes it's me no you're not having mine wow savage yeah rude